As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Second and one on the fake. Prescott over the middle. Cooper's got it. First down inside the 12. Third and seven. Blitz coming. Prescott in trouble. Lofting it to the corner. Lamb gets there. Touchdown. How about them Cowboys? Indeed. All right, there you go. Pretty much a polar opposite of last week. 43-3 against the Atlanta Falcons is your final. Kent Garrison here welcoming you in to another episode of About Them Cowboys here on the Athletic Podcast Network. And welcoming in three of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. It's a post-game edition. We've got Father John standing by at AT&T Stadium as he was there witnessing it all. We've got Saad Yusuf off Stars Duty. And we've got the comedian slash radio man himself, Kevin KT Turner, back in the hosting chair. Take it away, KT. Well, I learned three things this week, guys. One, don't mess with Nikolai Jokic and the Jokic brothers. Two, don't break up with Taylor Swift or she will publicly shame you. And three, do not mess with the Cowboys on a week after they got blown out. Don't publicly shame My you. My goodness. Any qu- any question about uh, this team ready to go or is this team uh, sniffing themselves too much? John, this was a week where the Cowboys did not even think about playing with their food. They didn't, man. It was really impressive. I think it's funny uh, seeing some people on Twitter during the game talking about like how bad Atlanta is and how it, it doesn't really mean that much when they were kind of pulling away early. And I'm just kind of like, they're kind of in position to be a wild card team here. So, I mean, I don't think, I, I mean, they're not great, but they're also not like the worst. I thought it was really impressive the way the Cowboys played throughout. And and, and the biggest thing was that it was like, and I, and I hate to say it's because such a cliche thing, but it, the complimentary football was incredible. It was like when the offense was clicking, the defense played off of it. Then you had the special teams come in, get the block punt, return that for a touchdown. I mean, I never, I thought that the Cowboys would come in here. I, I, I didn't have really any doubt they'd lose the game, but I thought there was a chance it could be a shootout early. And you could tell Atlanta wanted to be a shootout because they obviously had a chance to take a field goal early. I think it was, would have been like around a 49, 50 yard or somewhere in that range, which uh, their kicker is certainly capable of making, and they decided to go for it on a fourth and I want to say 
five to seven. seven. It was lo- seven. Yeah, it was a it was a long fourth down, and, and for them to go for it there it showed me exactly what they what their mindset was. And so for the Cowboys, he'd come back. And honestly, my favorite part of this is because I love that they were went for it on fourth down last last week, and, and people kind of second guessed that because they lost. But I'm glad they did not go away from that. They kept doing the exact same thing. This seems too talented not to do that. That's not just a mindset like, well, we're just going to go for fourth down because that's just what we do. No, they're doing it because they're super talented on offense. And when they're clicking like they are today against a pass defense that they can take advantage of, they should be going for it on fourth down all the time. I mean, coming away from this game, so many things went well. The only thing I could think of that didn't go well is, I guess, Zeke fumbled. And we continue to have a lot of questions about Connor Williams at left guard. Yeah, no, I'll give you that. And I I think that's a thing, though, that you feel like if Tyron's there, does that help, um, I guess, cover up some of the things that might be there with Connor Williams? Because the Connor Williams thing, I I never really counted on that going away. I don't think I've ever... I haven't been one of the people in the boat that's been like, well, Connor McGovern definitely should get a shot over Connor Williams. You know, so to to me, one thing that we talked about this week, though, is Denver had the capability defensively to do things that Atlanta just couldn't do, uh, you know, with covering you and, and things like that. And that's, to me, was kind of the big difference of the game. Once, you, once they got up early, though, I, I was worried about a slow start, I guess, you know, for Dallas, for for whatever reason. And maybe I shouldn't have been worried about any of that. And to see them really put the foot on the gas until you get to the second half and then you had a couple, as you mentioned, the Zeke fumble, you know, maybe a couple momentary, you know, concentration lapses and things like that. But, man, other than that, it's really pretty optimal game. And and you love to get one of those, these noon early game at home. This team needed a game that didn't have a lot of drama in it. They had played a lot of tight games over the last few weeks. And you got three games coming up in 12 games. So when everyone can sit on the sideline like uh, that's a starter in the fourth quarter and watch, to me that's very beneficial and it's going to pay off down the road too. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously a lot of players stood out in this one, but I really think that Mike McCarthy, just for all the reasons John said, uh, I, I think he was he was really big in this one. Just not going away from going going forward on fourth down, keeping the, keeping the foot on the gas late in the game, like, like even in the third quarter. I don't know. I I feel like that just kind of you know it, it kind of sets a tone for the team. It kind of lets the lets the players know where his head's at. Um, I even tweeted this during the game, but it kind of reminded me of like 2007 Patriots when uh, when you know Spygate came out and then they were just running up the score on every single team every single week. And it's just you know that's the mindset that you want to have just you know going into the middle to late of the season because you know. Because then it creates this intimidation for your opponent, too. I mean, that's why the Falcons were intimidated. That's why they went for it on fourth and five when they could have made it a 7-6 game. But it ended up being, you know, a 7-3 game that went the entire entirely the other way. So I do think that's also important, and Mike McCarthy deserves credit for that. I liked after the game, uh, we got a chance to get Jerry for a few minutes. And at one point he was asked about, you know, I think 29 points in the second quarter is the most that a Cowboys team's ever scored at any corner quarter in, in franchise history. So that naturally leads to a question of when's the last time you've seen a game where you guys were like this dominant. And Jerry sat there and thought about it for a while. And he goes, I really, I really can't think of one. I can't really remember one. I'm just like, really? Didn't you guys win three Super Bowls in four years? Like, I don't know. I just, I mean, the game's great, but like, I'm not going to, I'm not taking away from any of those early nineties Cowboys teams. But I think maybe he was he meant more of in recent, like last decade or so, because 
and me covering the team over the last decade, I can't remember a game that's been this lopsided, this dominant, especially against a team. Like I said, I mean, like they're in the wild card hunt. Like this isn't a team that's like, this isn't the lions or the Jaguars. So uh, all across the board, I thought it was, I thought it was impressive. And, I, and it, for me, it all starts with Dak Prescott. This is what I'm writing about for tomorrow is, uh, you know, as he goes, this team obviously goes. And the way he started out on that first series, the defense just feeds off of the way this offense goes. If you look at the way they played against Denver, the defense didn't even play that bad on the first couple of series. But when the offense was playing the way they were and struggling, it, it, it trickled over to the defense. This game, the offense comes out, looks like the offense we've seen for most of that six-game winning streak. And then all of a sudden, you're getting takeaways. Micah Parsons is getting pressure. And, and at, at one point, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, and the defense is playing great too. And, and, and you think they don't have Neville Gallimore and they don't have Demarcus Lawrence or Randy Gregory. And they're getting this done like this. Like, man, like, like that's really impressive. Like there's just any way you want to look at this game. It, it, it's, it, it's a very impressive outing. And, 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 and it's, it's really a good thing for the, for the sense of just like their ability to rebound because it's funny. I was listening to Michael Irvin and his weekly radio interview uh, after the Cowboys lost to Denver, I think it was on Monday on 105.3 The Fan. And he was talking about how, like, in the Cowboys, like, of the 90s history, they when they would have a stinker like that Denver game, they usually followed it up with another one. It usually took them a couple games to get out of that hole. And so he was kind of a little nervous about how the Cowboys would respond. And, and, and I, did, I, don't, I don't think there's any way that you could have responded better than, than the way that they did in this game. The last lopsided victory I found, uh, John, was coming out of the bye week in 2017 against San Francisco. They went 40 to 10. And oh, yeah, with like a C.J. Beathard game? Yes. Zeke yeah. had 147 yards. Des Bryant had a touchdown. Dak threw for three touchdowns. And, uh, yeah, that's that's the last time that they've basically scored 40 and the, the other the opponents had, like, basically 10 points. So that's uh, four years ago. <laughs> that was a while back. Jeff Heath was the kicker in this one, by the way. Oh, yeah, I remember that game. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I remember it too. It didn't. It didn't have the feeling of this one. I promise you that. Like this one was over at halftime. Yeah, you know. And, I can't remember. I can't remember many games I've covered where I was like, "No, this game's over right now." No, it was very clear the game was over. And, and uh, I don't know. From where I was at home, the crowd felt like more into it than last week. Obviously, had more reasons to be. And I think that fourth down play that you talked about, going for it, executing it, sets a good tone for the day. CD Lamb early had that big play. Uh, kind of on the hitch earlier, and then you know six catches, ninety four yards, two touchdowns for CD. I really loved the play where Dak lofted that ball high in the air, and uh, CD ran under it on the left side of the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, that, that was a really fun play. Yeah, and that plays a good indication of why it's so easy for for Dak to get in I, I, to just you know uh, getting that rhythm with receivers. Like we saw it when Amari Cooper was traded for. Uh, in the bye week, like he did, he didn't miss a beat. He came in and and he was right in stride with Dak. Dak just trusts his receivers. He trusts the routes. He trusts his guys, and and that's the that's a good indication of that. And this is also, you know, we we kind of said it when CD got drafted, but we're kind of seeing it now when you know a lot of people said that it's going to be a year or two and CD is going to be the number one receiver, even though Amari Cooper was already here. Like that's not taking anything away from Amari, who's who is the number one receiver right now, but. You're seeing all those reasons why people said that about C.D. Lamb because he he can make plays in any in any way whether it's down the field catching screens whatever it is. So on that play in the huddle, I mean that was kind of the design was to go to C.D. on that play, 
and Dak said to him, they're going to be bringing pressure on this play, I, you know, so I'm, I'm there. Might, there's, a, there's a chance uh, I'm going to have to just kind of put it in a spot. So if that happens, just go to that back corner pylon. The reason I like that play a lot is because basically if it, if CD doesn't get it, then it's just incomplete. Like there's, there's really, there's really nothing bad that can happen there. You know, like the chances of that getting picked off aren't great. It's basically CD's ball or it's incomplete. And the opposite would have been that he could have taken a sack there. And so it just clearly they were on the same page uh, on that play. And they've really been on, on the same page all season. I mean, take away some of the drops, you know, uh, just how, how much the entire group is clicked and then to just jump. And, and I was kind of surprised that Michael Gallup just stepped right back into that starting lineup like that. And, and I thought he played pretty well, especially for a first game back after not having played since week one, uh, it just really shows like how potent that offense can be. And, and, and Hey, this is on top of them. Like it's not like they ran the ball. Well, like it looked like they ran it pretty well early on because Zeke was getting those touchdowns, but they weren't averaging more than like two or three yards of carry early on. But the passing game is just, I mean, when that thing's clicking, there's really no one that, that has an answer for it. I mean, it just, there's just, it's a very talented group. So uh, if they can keep that going, uh, that's great. I just find it hard to believe they'll be able to keep that going without Tyron Smith at, back at left tackle. So, uh, but everything sounds good on that front. Sounds like he should be back, if not against Kansas City the following week. Yeah, and it's not like Atlanta's chopped liver. Again, they, they're not a great team, and I think that's clearly obvious. But, you know, they beat the Saints last week. Today, the Saints went toe-to-toe with Tennessee, who's one of the best teams in the AFC. You know, it's a, it's a team that we know was going to throw the ball, has struggled running the ball. We talked about that, you know, in the preview po- podcast earlier in the week. Really good to see your cornerbacks have, quite frankly, a historical ga- game. Uh, all three of your starting cornerbacks get an interception, and then Nation Wright on special teams, another cornerback, gets a touchdown on the Dorrance Armstrong block punt. That was some really good coverage all day. And I know Atlanta's missing Calvin Ridley and, and things like that. Russell Gage was shut down to zero catches today. But I thought it was obviously clearly covering. is something we've talked about with this team that we need to watch, how they're going to give up yards to the air and things like that. Today, their cornerbacks were in lockdown mode, and that was really good to see. Oh my yeah. God. That was one of the best games I've seen Jordan Lewis play. Yes. There was yeah. a stretch there. There was a stretch there of probably like six or seven plays, uh, six or seven consecutive plays where I felt like he made four of them. Like it was just incredible. Like and that was game. when the game, yeah, when the game was still tight and, yeah. uh, and, and it was on, it wasn't like he was just on, you know, some third receiver, like on gauge or something like that. I mean, they were like on Kyle Pitts and he was coming over and helping, you know, I mean, I thought he played really well. It was, it's, it was funny because at that, at that point I was like, this game is still pretty close if it isn't for these Jordan Lewis plays. And I mean, not that, not, not nothing against Jordan Lewis. It just, it's one of those deals where you just really don't expect maybe him to, to play at that level. And he certainly stepped up and then Anthony Brown continued to play pretty well. I think he's got three interceptions now in the season, which I believe is the most he's ever had in a season in his career. And then Diggs doing Diggs things, uh, it's crazy because I didn't, I didn't think the DBs would be on this level this season. I thought they'd be solid but I thought it was going to depend a lot on the pass rush and to not have tank, not have Gregory, not have Gallimore and for them to play that. Well, that that's a, that's a really good sign there. Yeah. And I think, I think with Jordan Lewis, it's also, it was nice for him to get a pick, but, but all the plays that he had before that, the pass breakups, I thought those were probably the most important plays of all the DBs, whatever they did more than Trayvon Diggs's interception, more than Anthony Brown's interception. Those came later, but I thought Jordan Lewis's pass breakups were huge and also, it, you know, when you look at a guy like Lewis, I, I think, you know, he's had a role over the past couple of seasons where it's been kind of in flux. And for him just to come out and have that kind of game and uh, kind of show what he's, uh, what, what he's capable of, which he's always kind of been 
a ball magnet type player. I think that's that's really important for him as well. Dorrance had a yeah, nice game too. Yeah, Dorrance Armstrong, and that's something he needed to step up with Randy Gregory being out, and it's not a name that will get everyone jazzed up. Hey, we need a big week out of Dorrance Armstrong, but it's at, t- take away the block punt, and he had a, a good day, yeah. uh, got, got a sack, and uh, was around the quarterback a lot. Um, you know, again, I felt like Atlanta didn't have the ball very much. Um, Matt Ryan, let's see, 9 of 21. You know, if you just say, oh, we're going to hold Matt Ryan a 9 of 21 for under 120 yards, you'd go, holy cow, we're going to destroy Atlanta today, aren't we? And that's exactly what happened. Um, another thing, I think there's some positivity that comes from the NFC with a loss as the Bucks lose to the Washington football team. Right now, as we're recording this, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon, Arizona, who has one loss, is losing to Carolina 20 to nothing. And then Green Bay, who's 7-2, and two, is uh, they're in a you know three nothing game with Seattle. It's not even halftime yet in that one. And then you got the Rams and the 49ers tonight. So Cowboys got a chance to not only have an easy win where everyone got got to rest in the fourth quarter, but maybe a chance to pick up some ground in the uh, conference standings as well, just by sitting and watching. So uh, I don't think you could draw up a better Sunday for the Cowboys. I, I didn't really love Dak running on the yeah. one touchdown. Uh, I mean, I, I don't mind him running, but uh, laying down the shoulder. I mean, but that is his style of play. And he has said that, you know, on goal line in certain situations, he's going, he's not going to completely remove that from his game, uh, which I understand. Uh, but he ended up being fine from that. He did have a little cut underneath his eye in the post game uh, press conference, but that wasn't from the run. It was actually from uh, after, t- after that, the, t- the second touchdown to CD. Uh, Dak got back to the bench and took his helmet off and CD came over to kind of celebrate with him. And as Dak put it, CD kind of treated it as if Dak still had his helmet on and kind of, Oh no. Yeah. hit him in the face with his helmet. So he said that he said that was actually a harder hit than the touchdown. But um, I just, I don't know. I understand that that's part of his game and he's never just going to be a 100% pocket passer and, and, and that, and I do believe that it sets a tone. Uh, but like you, like you said, KT, it, it was just huge that they got out to such a big lead that didn't he, he didn't even need to play in the fourth quarter. And and anytime you get that, that's great. Not only for a guy coming off of calf injury, but for anybody starting quarterback. And so uh, that that was that was huge as well, no question. And the one other thing I wanted to add was thought it was pretty good the video that the team website put up on Twitter right after of Dan Quinn getting a game ball. Uh, just go watch that video uh, for anybody that hasn't seen it. And it'll tell you just how much they wanted to win this game for Dan Quinn. Uh, so yeah, just go watch the video. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, the team's pretty fired up about it. And, and I just found it interesting because Dan Quinn and, you know, DeMonte KZ and some of those guys really try to downplay the importance all week. Uh, but yeah, you can tell in that post-game locker room, uh, it was a big deal. They really wanted that one. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That throw from Dak to CD, the second, the second touchdown, I guess. That's an MVP level throw. Yeah, I, I think there was a real pissed off Dak Prescott in practice this week. I think that uh, not only was he disappointed by the way he played, just disappointed by how badly the entire team played. And he knew how important it was not to have a second performance like that. And he seemed locked in all week. Not that he doesn't usually seem locked in, but even the pregame, like he just this one, this one was really important to him. And like I said, a lot of people think it's cliche to talk about how much of the leader he is for this team, but it goes right up with anybody else in the NFL in terms of their importance to their individual team. I mean, they really do feed off the way he plays. And like you said, Kent, making throws like that, all that does is boost the confidence of everybody, including the defense, the special teams, everybody involved. Uh, and then the other part about that's interesting too, is that you know they really didn't want to have to kick many field goals. I don't think there was a lot of faith in um, Lirum coming out there and having to kick a long field goal or even, let's say, a 40-yarder or something like that. They really wanted to score touchdowns uh, because of, and not that everybody doesn't want to score touchdowns, but they clearly wanted to do that more so in this game. Uh, and, and so to get through this game, being able to get Greg Zerline back, uh, that's pretty big as well. Yeah, and, yeah, that's something. Red zone for the Cowboys, 5 of 5, 100%. We talked about them in the red zone and what they, they need to get better at. How about that? That'll get you up the red zone rankings a little bit. Because uh, it was two weeks ago that we were talking about how they needed to get better in that regard. How about a five for five day in the red zone, finishing drives, and uh, just making the game not be a question at all. I just, uh, it's it's one of those weeks where you know we could do this post game podcast, and there are some weeks where we have a million things and a million angles to get to. And today I'm like, man, that was full domination, and you don't get a lot of these in the NFL. You know, r- rarely you're going to have four or five of these games a year. You don't get that very often. And you got one today, so enjoy way, it because th- that was that was start to finish, game over. Yeah, and I think one thing that I like what Dak said after the game was, like, you know, just about the Broncos providing this quote-unquote blueprint. And, like, you know, last week when they when people were asking him about that, there he was, like, you know, obviously showing his confidence, saying that, oh, I hope they do play us. But he kind of reiterated that today. He was like, you know, if they thought that they could come out and just do what Denver did, like he was like, I told y'all last week, like that was our, it was our fault. And it just kind of shows that, you know, even even if you think you have the quote unquote blueprint, that, that doesn't mean anything if you don't have the same players, the same situation. Like the, the Falcons didn't catch Dallas on an off day the way that the Denver Broncos did. So I think uh, I think that was pretty big too, just to just to get that confidence and everything back. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm not sure that I'm a guy that believes in, you know, full blueprint, but definitely things that you can do that teams are going to look at and go back to when they face the Cowboys later in the season. Like they are going to watch that Denver game and what happened and Denver covered Denver put pressure on them with that, without covering. It's another thing too. you go get a game with Tyron out and you win 
and Dak's not taking a lot of hits and things like that. All of that comes together and means a lot too. So, um, you know, the blueprint thing is interesting to me. Again, not a full believer in it, but there are things that Denver did that that the Cowboys are going to need to get better at because Dak had time to throw. He was pressured a lot, but he had time to throw. He just didn't look comfortable, and it never got that way, and Denver covered well, and guys weren't open. You know, this week guys were uh, were open quite a bit, and, you know, even running the ball, the Cowboys, it's not like the Cowboys crushed it on the ground today, um, but it was good enough. You know, it was good enough to kind of get through in a game to keep a little bit of balance right there. I'm looking at it right now, and I believe that we were, the, the Cowboys were, what, three yards a carry? I mean, Zeke, 14 carries, 41 yards. Pollard, 11 carries, 42 yards. The difference, you know, they were used pretty well in the passing game, especially Tony Pollard, who had six catches. You know, that, that that's big as well, is getting those uh, thrown to the running backs out of the backfield and things like that. So, uh, And it's good to see Gallup back. I thought, you know, it's not a huge day in the box score, but three catches for 42 yards. Just one more element of the offense that makes it more impossible to stop once you get him in there as well. Yeah, that sideline catch was huge. I mean, you know, uh, again, the chemistry with Dak when he's scrambling outside the pocket and just the awareness. Uh, and, and, you know, the defender did a good job of trying to push him out of bounds uh, before he got his feet down, but he still was able to get his feet down. So that was a huge play early in the game. Are the Cowboys the scariest team in the NFL right now? Um, You know, I... I think the, Ra- the Robert Woods injury definitely affects yeah. things with the Rams. I mean, if OBJ yeah. can can come in there and step in and and do something for them on offense, then maybe he he kind of covers up for that. But I still think that's a bigger loss than maybe some people are thinking right now because they were the ones coming into this weekend before that injury on Friday. But that, that would have been my no brainer pick. Um, I believe the Cowboys are scarier than anybody in the AFC. Ref, top of my head, I don't even need to think yeah. about anything there. Uh, so when it comes to the NFC, it's between them, the Rams, uh, the Packers when they're, when they're healthy. Uh, and then the I would throw in the Bucks, and I would also throw in when you got DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray healthy, the Arizona still there. So it's basically the same teams we thought two, three weeks ago. Yeah. This is where I go. I think every team's kind of, uh, given allotted a couple of games and maybe it's just one game where they might sleepwalk a little bit. Again, this is, this is a long, long weeks. We think about, Oh, they just go play on Sunday. These are long weeks long days in a classroom type environment plus the practices for literally a long ass time and 17 games teams are gonna not show up and 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 have this right energy level isn't it, it weird doesn't need to happen a lot but like it happened to Tampa Bay today yeah um it happened it's happening to Arizona as we speak right now against Carolina and I know Kyler's out but Arizona did not show up to play that game mm-hmm. and they haven't at all so like it's happened to the Bills last week against Jacksonville. So I, I, I think I think that's just what happened last week. And it's it, it's our job to like ask the questions like, what happened? Why did it happen? But in the end, I think it's just what this game is all about. It's a long, hard, grinded out season. And for whatever reason, they did not show up 100 with the, with the correct energy level last week. Yeah, I still feel like Dallas could play better than they did today. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And they completely dominated another team in the NFL. Oh, my God. If you tell me, if you just tell me that they're going to have Tyron Smith back and Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory and Neville Gallimore on top of what they already have, now that you have Gallup back, like, oh, yeah, no, they can play a lot better than this for sure. Uh, But the thing is, too, is that they were certainly up for this game. They were motivated. They were pumped for this game. And that doesn't seem like that was the case last week. So 
it's all about just taking care of business during the week and coming into these games motivated. And, and, and there, cause let's be honest. I mean, I understand Washington won today, but you know, losing chase young, like there could be some games down the stretch there where there, there's not a lot of reason for them to get super motivated. And when I'm saying that, I mean, those NFC East games. So they got to make sure that they find ways to stay motivated, to stay interested, because as long as they do that, then I'm not saying there's going to be more performances like this. This is an outlier, just like last week was an outlier in, in, in the wrong direction. But, but they should be able to handle their business against almost every other team that they have on the schedule. And I fully expect them to come out ready to go next week on a game that the whole world will be watching, the America's Game of the Week, of course, in Kansas City. It doesn't take you much to get uh, up for that game. And I'll be interested to see what Kansas City does against you know the Raiders tonight because – Kansas City, to me, I just feel like they're one or two games away from finding whatever's wrong, and then they become a problem again. But right now, they're a very beatable team. So I don't think you're going to need that excuse, but you're right. At the end of the year, you got the Eagles and the Giants and uh, the Washington football team. Yeah, it might be tough to get up for some of those games. So uh, they put themselves in a great position, though. And, and going out and taking care of business, I think I think Saad mentioned it earlier, that says a lot. Uh, I think McCarthy should get some credit for this, having them prepared and ready to go as well. So uh, I I don't really have much else to say about that because yeah, that right there is a good old fashioned ass kicking. John, what's you know what, um, one one other thing I was going to mention real quick that I thought was interesting is during the week, Mike McCarthy said he thought the team was kind of tight, like what they were doing in practice was almost like they were trying too hard to overcorrect mistakes they made in the game, and he thought going into Friday. That, that the team was too tight. So we had a, a, a little bit different team meeting than I normally do on Friday, where it was more of a loose laid back, like not laid back. I shouldn't say that, but it was like, they did more of this kind of a team exercise where different players are called to the front of the room and they kind of tell their life story. And then there's like usually some jokes involved and things like that to kind of loosen them up because he, like he made a point of saying, yeah, we don't want to do what we did against Denver, but at the same time, I don't want these guys to be so tight and concerned about, overcoming that, that, that they lose some of that, you know, their, their personality and some of the swagger this team had to win those six games in a row. And I don't know, yeah. whatever he did, whatever strings he pulled, they obviously worked because I, like I said, I expected Dallas to win this game. I expected them to cover the spread. So, which I think was like around eight or nine, but I did not yeah. think, I did not think that the, the final score would be anywhere close to this. I certainly didn't think the halftime score would be anything close to this. I thought even if the, even if the Cowboys played really, really well, I thought the score would probably be somewhere closer to, let's say, like 31-14 or 31-17. 51-15, somewhere around there? Yes, I, exactly. You, you nearly got there, Kent. It's <laughs> brand. You know, yeah, scoregami situation. You know, almost. it's just a hunch sometimes, Kevin. <laughs> You're pretty close. We'll see if you can get it next week against the Chiefs. Um, anything else, John? I know you're at the stadium. Any, any closing thoughts? Yeah, one of the good things is it doesn't sound like they have – any injuries coming out of this game, at least any injuries of note. Uh, CD left the game with an arm contusion, which he said was kind of like more of a Charlie horse type thing that he would continue to play if the game wasn't already out of hand at like late in the second half. But, uh, um, but for the most part, yeah, Trayvon Diggs was moving well uh, to the point where they even had him return a punt. Well, now they had him back to re to re return a punt, but he fortunately didn't have to, but uh, you know, Zeke's knee didn't seem to be too much of an issue. He still had the heating pad on it. Uh, in between series on the sideline, uh, Dak seems to come out of the game fine. So uh, that's one of the, the huge positives because you know what we've seen from this team. If they're healthy, you know they can they can beat anybody in the league. And so that's that's the big that's the big thing now. It's like they continue to win these games. Maybe these wins buy another week for uh, you know 
a, a Lawrence, a Gregory, a Gallimore, something like that, so that they're kind of coming at the right time. But, you know, I understand that the Falcons aren't a team that anybody should be acting like as a Super Bowl contender. But with what the Cowboys did today, it just reaffirms, like, again, you don't need to be cautious about thinking this team is a Super Bowl contender. This is a legit Super Bowl contender, like none other that I've seen over the last decade. Uh, you know, obviously things can go wrong. You can have injuries, you can have bad performances and that, but when this team's playing well, you know, they're, they're, they can beat anybody in the NFL. And, and when I say that, I mean, anywhere too, on the road or here at AT&T stadium. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I agree. And we'll see like next week's going to be fun with the chiefs and probably one of the more challenging games on the schedule, although the chiefs haven't been themselves. And we will talk about that a little bit later in the week as we have our uh, Chiefs and Cowboys preview podcast that you can catch on The Athletic. Make sure you check out The Athletic for all of John's post-game stuff as well. Saad, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, you can uh, check out all of Saad's stuff as he is the uh, beat writer for the Dallas Stars as they're uh, uh, now getting into it. Probably about 15 games into the year so far, Saad. Yeah, about to play game 14, so right around yeah, there. Yeah, 14 coming, so make sure you're following Saad as well. And make sure uh, you're checking out all the podcasts that Kent's producing as well, like uh, the NFL show that airs every Sunday night. So check that one out with Robert Mays and Nate Tice as well. Um, For Father John Machota, live at AT AT&T Stadium, the home of today's ass-kicking. For Saad Youssef, for our producer Kent Garrison, I'm Kevin KT Turner. We'll talk to you a little later in the week. Get you ready for Cowboys Chiefs. All about them Cowboys. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.